The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. First and ten, Vandenberg. Oh, Weisman giving it right back to the quarterback. Wide open down the middle. It's Cotton for the touchdown. Give Weisman the assist. 47 yards. When you're running the ball as well as Weissman is, as well as this offense is, the safeties, the corners, everyone has to pay attention to the run game. Iowa jumping on Minnesota. Got your flea and your flicker and a 17-0 lead. Hello, everybody. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have the second of our weekly reporter's notebook segments in this podcast, featuring Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' first Big Ten road game against Michigan State. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan State's Mark D'Antonio. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs this year, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawks' Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast, as well as Brent Balbinat's Press Box Report. The Iowa-Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mowens and Joey Galloway. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about the toughness of the Michigan State teams under Mark D'Antonio. I think that's how, how they've been built since uh, Coach D'Antonio got there. And, you know, it's suggested the same way, you know, back in the 80s when Coach Perlis went there. And, uh, you know, Mark went in there with the uh, staff uh, that worked with him at uh, Cincinnati. They had a clear idea of what they wanted to be and how they wanted to play, and they've done a great job, I think, of incorporating their systems. And uh, no matter what you look at, offense or defense, they, they really do a great job. Their players understand what's being asked of them. They've got good players, and uh, they are a physical football team. I think if you look at both teams that played in the championship game last year, you, know, you could say that about both of them. And you know, I think that, that's a big part of the reason they've had 22 wins in the last two years. So they're, uh, you know, if, if you're not ready for that, then you know, it could be a long day. Ferentz talks about the arrests of three of his players this past weekend and his approach to rules and curfews. Selfishly, I'd, you know, I'd give them all 8 o'clock curfews and, and you know, tell them to have a glass of milk and some graham crackers, go to bed at 10 in, in a perfect world. But that, that, I think, would be selfish. I think part of uh, going to college is, is being part of the student body. And uh, you know, I would suggest what happened to those three individuals this weekend is not unique uh, to anybody in the student body, yet obviously uh, they drew attention to themselves in a negative way, so that's not acceptable. And it wouldn't be acceptable if they were just you know, non-participating athlete to athlete. So, you know, but it, it's a fine line. You know, we have curfews, we have things like that in place. And as you might imagine, those are going to get adjusted here a little bit for the uh, uh, near future. But my, my past uh, inclination has been try to, te- you know, treat a team uh, based on their maturity level and then, you know, kind of go from there, either with incentives or disincentives. So, you know, it's, it's a tricky balance. And, uh, 
you know, it's just uh, it's part of college life. It's, it's not unique to Iowa City. Ference was asked about the improvement in his team's passing offense. Yeah, I mean, the last three games, we, we've thrown the ball better. Yeah, one of the things I think we're all excited about is we feel like we can, can throw it better than we have so far, So, including the last three games. But yeah, I think I think there's clearly, uh, you know, a tale of two cities if you look at our offense. You know, the last couple of games, we, we've looked uh, a little bit more representative of what we've hoped to be. And... Uh, and that's good, but you know that the level of challenge is going to become increasingly tougher. You know, we're playing a team this week that's uh, very veteran on defense, very talented, very aggressive. So we're going to need to keep improving. But I think we're we're, we're making strides, but we're not there yet. But at, at least we're growing. I don't think we've been in a simplification mode uh, in any regard. If, if anything, we've been trying to expand a little bit with each week. But but you know, I mean, you've seen that we you know we've had some miscommunications at times. You know, two guys maybe not being on the same page totally, or a protection breakdown, or things like that. So it, it, it's a process, but. I think we're gaining ground, and that probably the biggest thing is, is just you know we wanted to make sure last week make sure last week that we kept the arrow going the right direction and not not back the other way. But it's uh, it's it's a process certainly. Kirk talks about his takeaway from the Spartans come from behind win at Indiana. Yeah, I think it says a lot about their team because typically. Uh, in the course of a season, and with your best teams, you're going to go through games like that. And, and coincidentally, I mean, we, you know, I'll go back to 2002. We had a, a really tough uh, game at Indiana. That might have been our toughest game of the year. Grandstein picks off three passes. I think all three were in the red zone. So, I mean, we we're lucky to get out of there. And, uh, you know, when you have a good team, usually you're going to have some outings where, you know, holy smokes, how'd this happen? And, you know, now what are we going to do? I mean, they showed in the second half, I think, uh, you know, the kind of football team they have because they, they thoroughly outplayed just like they got outplayed in the first half. They flipped it around in the second half and did what they had to do be su- to be successful. And, you know, the other other scary element of the deal is that, you know, they had a freshman receiver really step up and do some good things. So that's it's got to be really a good feeling for them, I would think. And Ferentz talks about preparing his team for its first true road game of the season. You know, the trip to Chicago was a good exercise. Uh, certainly the environment in the stadium was not like what we'll face uh, in our next four away games. Yet, you know, at least we went through the process of being on the road, and I thought certainly the young team, that was a positive, but but nothing like what we'll see this week. So, you know, at the end of the day, we, we just have to try to block that out and have to be a little bit more focused than we ju- you would be at home and uh, just realize it's going to be, you know, a pretty tough environment from that standpoint. The biggest thing is still the team on the field, you know, and that's, that's more of a concern to us than, than maybe the stadium. Next, we hear from Michigan State head coach Mark D'Antonio, who was asked what most pleases him and what is most disappointing to him about his team at this point in the season. I think most pleased uh, we continue to um, to come ready to play. We've had great uh, weeks of practice. Most disappointed, I guess, with everyone, you know, when you lose a couple games, and uh, especially when you lose it one close one, as, as we did, you you, uh, you get frustrated with execution at times, but that's football. You know, the other guys have good players as well, the other teams, and, uh, you know, they're trying very hard to execute as well. So um, those would be the two things. An attitude on the positive side, execution on the physical side. D'Antonio was asked how much he really knows about his team through its first six games. I think, you you know, you learn more about your team as you enter um, conference play. I think that's the natural progression. So, you know, right now we've only played two games there. We're going to learn more about our football team in these next coming weeks as we get into the, the, the meat of our schedule. Obviously, injuries take a toll on every football team right now. So you're you're constantly looking at, at new players, younger players that are, that are going to be given an opportunity also to rise up. So, you know, all those things come into play into, you know, our factors here as we move forward. But uh, I still maintain that our chemistry is extremely good and our attitude is extremely good and you can win with attitude and you can win with toughness and that's what we'll carry forward. D'Antonio talks about Iowa's surprise star running back Mark Wiseman. 
guy's great toughness. Uh, he's got great vision. He's been extremely productive carrying the football. He's not a fumbler. He's got great hands, and I think that he, you know, he overachieves, which to me is a sign of greatness. Uh, you know, we want all of our players constantly, constantly talking to them about overachieving as players, regardless of their abilities. So I think that he is. Uh, he has demonstrated he is a uh, very extremely talented running back, and uh, I think he's there for the long haul at tailback. D'Antonio talks at length about the spike in scoring in college football, including in the Big Ten. I think his uh, defenses have become uh, it's becoming tougher and tougher to defend offenses, whether it's no huddle, whether it's spread, whether it's pro-based, two-back. But, you know, the rise in um, the talent level offensively and the things that people are doing conceptually, I think is a big positive. I think the defense is is working in those same those same realms as, as well. But um, it seems like people are scoring more points. I would say since I was a defensive coordinator back in 02 and 03, the game has changed dramatically. You see more spread teams and more, um, you know, no huddle hurry up teams and all different types of philosophies basically and they change week to week and if I would say anything it's not that one particular philosophy is good bad or indifferent it's that every week in college football defense has changed dramatically or offense has changed dramatically I should say offense has changed dramatically so you only have three days four days max to prepare for that offense what you're seeing is you're seeing people not execute on the defensive side of the ball as well uh, due to the complexities and the changes that you see week to week I mean, it's tough for a young player to play in these things because things must change defensively and so there are a lot of checks and components that have to be dealt with such as you know no huddle offenses and getting the defense in and changing the defense as they change and things of those nature and young players are, are aren't as easy adaptable to be able to do that so I think it's the change week to week that has as much to do with anything and then you got to tackle in space more offenses are putting people in space and you've got to be able to execute and D'Antonio reiterates the Spartans' traditional approach and philosophy on both offense and defense. We're a traditional offensive football team with, with one back and two backs and some, some variants of, of spread and passing. I think Wisconsin parallels that very much. Those were the two teams that were in the conference championship last year. So if you can maintain, if you can control the football and play good defense, play great on special teams, good things are going to happen for you. So uh, there's all different ways of getting to the top. It's just a matter of what philosophy and what direction you're going to to take. I think in the end, it's execution and the ability to adapt. The Iowa Hawkeyes travel to East Lansing Saturday to play a very tough Michigan State team that is still trying to gain consistency in its offense, but has its traditional physical defense. It is the Spartans' homecoming game, and MSU will be honoring legendary coaches Biggie Munn and Duffy Doherty in pregame ceremonies. This will be Iowa's first true road game of the season, and is a critical game for both teams in terms of the race for the Big Ten's Legends Division invitation to the conference championship game. A win by the Hawkeyes guys this weekend would leave them sitting alone atop the division and completely in control of their own title hopes. That win would also leave Michigan State with two losses in the conference and in a deep hole early in its effort to repeat as the Legends division representative in the championship game. Iowa is 3-2 and two overall, 1-0 and oh in the Big Ten. Michigan State is 4-2, and 1-1 one one in conference play. The Spartans' losses have come at the hands of Notre Dame, a one-point game, and Ohio State, and 
one of their wins was in their season opener over Boise State. Michigan State had to come from way behind last week at Indiana to pull out a win against a much weaker team. The Hawkeyes lead in this series 22-19-2, but the teams have split the last four games. The Spartans have a 10-9-1 advantage in games played in East Lansing. It seems as if most of these contests are close, and three of the last five have been decided in the last minutes, including Iowa's win as time expired in its last trip to East Lansing. Kirk Ferentz is in his 14th year at Iowa. He has a 99-68 record with the Hawks. Mark D'Antonio is now in his sixth year at Michigan State, where his record is 48-24. Both teams face huge games the following week. Iowa hosts Penn State, while the Spartans travel to Ann Arbor to face arch-rival Michigan. But neither team can afford to look ahead. These two teams are somewhat mirror images of each other so far. Very strong defenses that rank highly in several statistical categories nationally and in the Big Ten, but offenses that are still looking for consistency and balance. Both teams feature traditionally strong running games and feature two of the better running backs in the conference, Iowa's Mark Weissman and Michigan State's Le'Veon Bell. Saturday's game also features two of the nation's top field goal kickers. Mike Meyer ranks fourth in the country. MSU's Dan Conroy is sixth. The Spartans have outscored opponents 74-23 in the second halves of their games this year, and in the fourth quarter, Michigan State has outscored opponents 45-13. Iowa? Well, it's outscored its opponents 32-15 in the last period. Something we'll have to give on Saturday, and this game may have a big impact, ultimately, on the Big Ten's Legends Division, and which team will have a chance to play in the championship game for a possible Rose Bowl berth. And broadcast school has really paid off. They've had some success with this two tight end formation, and Rogers the fullback, and Weissman gets to the corner and into the end zone. His seventh rushing touchdown of the year from eight yards out. Iowa's found something on the left side of this line. They talked about tackle Brandon Scherf. They're running right at him. They've done it a number of times today. Weissman untouched until he hits the secondary, and if they allow that to happen, he's going to be tough to bring down all day long. Time now for another weekly Reporter's Notebook show, this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Docterman, and you can also listen to Scott on WMT Radio's pregame show three hours before every Iowa home game. Scott looks ahead at the Michigan State game and more. As usual, Scott, before we turn to the Hawkeyes' next game, any closing thoughts on their homecoming win over Minnesota? Well, you know, it was a much-needed win, but it was a much-needed performance, I thought. Iowa came out very intense, and that's something that many of us have kind of chided the team about in the past. When you play a, a key rival like Minnesota or an Iowa State, you got to come out and match their intensity, and I think Iowa did that and uh, and really popped them in a lot of different ways. You know, they were aggressive on defense, they, their play call was uh, out in front of what the Gophers could do, and, and you saw a really tough, hard-hitting team. This is something that should give Iowa fans, uh, you know, some hope that this year could uh, they could still swing it around and have a pretty good season. Iowa heads to East Lansing this Saturday. Not only their first Big Ten road game of the season, but really for all practical purposes, their first true road contest. I have the same question for both these teams, uh, the Hawkeyes and Michigan State. Who are these guys? I mean, both teams are playing solid defense, but very inconsistent offense. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, when we came into the season, Michigan State was the clear favorite for the Rose Bowl for the, as the Big Ten's best team. Uh, they had what we thought was the best defense, and I think it still is. The league, great running back, veterans up front, uh, but new quarterback, and they just seem to be out of sync a little bit, and Iowa is, is pretty much their equal when it comes to that, except uh, I think we expected a lot more out of James Vandenberg this year and the, and the whole passing game. But that said, you know, there's still a lot of season left. Uh, Michigan ranks number one in the league in, in defense, as we expected. But Iowa is kind of a surprising number three. And uh, they played fairly well, I thought, this year. Maybe with the exception of the game against Central Michigan. I think Iowa's defense has really improved. So I think they're in some ways kind of mirror images of one another, which they are historically. Both teams like to be physical, play tough, aggressive defense, run the football, and get some mileage out of the air. And I think they're both that way this year. But this will be a really interesting test at East Lansing for both teams because Michigan State has kind of stalled this year. And in Iowa, Bill, we, we don't really know what we've got with them. Also, an interesting parallel between the two respective fan bases because I think both Spartans and Hawkeyes fans kind of feel the same way. Either the one camp thinks they're on the verge of being really good, and the other camp thinks they're on the verge of ready to jump off the ledge because of, of how they played in some games, especially with the Spartans come back at, at Indiana. But two pretty interesting facts going into this game that both you would think could have a bearing on it. The first is that James Vandenberg is a starting quarterback. He's only 11 and 9 overall, but he's only 2 and 6 on the road. And Kurt Ferentz coach teams, surprisingly, are only 3 and 6 coming out of bye weeks. That is interesting to note. Uh, you know, but uh, every every time every situation is different here. And, and I think we look back to James Vandenberg's first real action on the road, and that was at Ohio State. He couldn't have played any better at the best in the most difficult venue in the Big Ten. He struggled on the road, but so is the team in, in a lot of these starts, a lot of these games. Uh, last year, we, we remember uh, him going to uh, Minnesota, and it, and it wasn't just his mistakes. I mean, they ran the ball well. They played fairly decent. We look at uh, some of the other places. Nebraska, he didn't play well at all, but the team didn't play very well. So I think this is a good chance for him to kind of put some things to rest, but, but yeah, coming off the bye has always been a little bit intriguing. I remember one situation where the bye did not help. That was in 2008. Uh, Iowa just slaughtered Wisconsin uh, 38-16 at home, had a lot of momentum at that point, and then had a week off before going to Illinois. And uh, you could see the team came out flat, and uh, it took them three quarters to get into the game. They finally tied it up and then lost it on a field goal late in the game. And I thought that team, had they kept playing, would have just steamrolled everybody else on their schedule because they did be everybody else. Uh, but I think this year might be different. And after five weeks, I think it was a good stop in the schedule, reevaluate some of the changes, and then move forward. And, uh, you know, having a week to kind of reevaluate the passing game, what sports, work on themselves first before an opponent, I think that, that will pay off long term for the team this year. Here's another interesting little fact that might surprise a lot of Iowa fans, actually. Michigan State's opponents have a combined 682 winning record. The Hawkeyes opponents, however, are a combined 692. However, I think most fans would agree that Michigan State's faced a lot tougher teams in terms of Boise State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Yeah, there's. it's hard to really compare any of the direct to the teams on the schedules. Uh, you know, Iowa's, uh, you know, the, the 
because they've played one common opponent, and that's Central Michigan, and the results were vastly different. Iowa State is probably the only opponent on Iowa's schedule that I think uh, could be considered a, a fairly decent team, whereas, as you mentioned, the three teams, Ohio State's undefeated, Notre Dame's undefeated, Boise State has one loss, and that was at Michigan State. So that's going to be awfully difficult to kind of compare. But what I like to do is look at the teams and how they now they're playing. I mean, Michigan State went on the road and kind of the first quarter fell apart. I mean, they were down 17 to nothing um, at Indiana, and we all know that that's possible. I think teams get bored to death at Indiana at times. And, and uh, then, uh, you know, came back, had their best half of the year. I'll be interested to see if Michigan State can focus on the task at hand against Iowa because the next week they've got their big rival Michigan uh, game that they really look forward to every year. And then after that, it's at Nebraska. So, I mean, or uh, excuse me, they got uh, at Wisconsin and then Nebraska. So they've got a real big stretch here, and uh, but they can't overlook Iowa. Iowa has played them well in the past. I mean, they both are physical football teams. I think this is uh, it'll be key and crucial to see if players themselves mostly just kind of overlook Iowa coming up this weekend. Yeah, that's really a good point. Michigan State can't afford to be peaking ahead because a loss to Iowa this Saturday might pretty much take them out of the Legends Division title. It would give them two losses already. Yeah, I mean, the Ohio State loss was a, was a doozy for them, but, you know, this is a grind. They've got to go on the road two straight weeks uh, after the Iowa game at Michigan, at Wisconsin, and then Nebraska at home, Northwestern won't be a picnic. So they've got really five big weeks coming up, and uh, you know, they do have a bye uh, between Nebraska and Northwestern, but you know, if you lose, say it's a tough, hard-nosed game to Iowa, and it very well, be, it'll be a tough game one way or the other, physically, and if, if it's, uh, if they come up on the short end, the season could tank and they could end up a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five team going, what just happened here? Kind of the way Iowa did in 2010. Hawkeyes look to be pretty healthy overall, plus there will be no game suspensions for Micah Hyde and the other two players arrested last weekend. Michigan State, on the other hand, they've already lost two starting offensive linemen for the season, and now this Saturday, they're going to be without their star tight end and leading receiver. Yeah, Deion Sims, he's uh, played against Iowa all four years, and he's out with a left ankle injury. Will not play. Uh, this is a, an offense that's vastly different than that of the past for Michigan State. In the past, they, you know, they had three really good wide receivers, I thought, last year, and D.J. Cunningham, Keyshawn Martin, Keith Nickel a veteran quarterback. They can diversify. Their offense just really has to come along. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is a bruising running back. He will play at the next level if he stays healthy. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers type of running back, you know, 235, can hit you, can hurdle you. We've seen that happen quite a few times. They, they really, they're missing a spark. They're missing consistency on offense. And Iowa, as I mentioned, Iowa's defense is playing better this year. If they can mount a pass rush, uh, this could be a slug it out type of game. And and uh, if, if Iowa gets into that late in the second half, you know, third, fourth quarter, and it's close, uh, that's when the teams that are supposed to win often panic. And we'll see how Andrew Maxwell, their first-year starting quarterback, handles that situation. Yeah, talk about Maxwell a little bit. He, he had a pretty good game against the Hoosiers, at least the second half. But it is his first year as full-time starter. Yeah, he is. He's, uh, he's a little bit different. His first couple of games, he really did not play well. And, uh, you know, we could really see that. And then they only scored three points against Notre Dame, which I know has a pretty good team and a, and a good offense. But um, that, that's not really anything you want out of a, a quarterback, a leader. I had the opportunity to talk to him this week.
he seems to be really uh, focused on on this game. He understands what's at stake, and uh, and they got to continue to move ahead. They really don't have a lot of margin for error. But last week was was maybe his best game. You know, coming back 24-40, uh, two touchdowns. But you always have to say. Or who did they play against? And they played against Indiana. Just like we'll do the same with Iowa in talking about Central Michigan and then some of the other teams. So um, the jury's still out. I mean, he had no touchdowns against Notre Dame. He had he was 22 of 42 against Ohio State. Can he bring it consistently? That's a huge question right now for that team. And it's probably the difference between that team being a championship contender and going to the Rose Bowl and maybe being a second-tier type of Big Ten team this year. So after Sims was hurt against the Hoosiers, he really relied on on true freshman uh, wide receiver Aaron Burbridge, who actually became the first true freshman in, in Michigan State football history to have a 100-plus yard game. Yeah, he's, a, he's he really stepped in and filled in nicely for him. Uh, I believe it was 140 yards. Was uh, you know really came to play. That's something that they needed in a passing game because they just don't have that. You know, they also had a pretty good outing from uh, Aaron Fowler. You know, he uh, he came up with four catches for 57 yards or Benny Fowler. I'm sorry, you know, a junior. So they do, on the outside, they're always going to have speed at Michigan State. And, and these two players, these younger players who haven't had a lot of opportunities came to play, played well against Indiana. We'll see how that translates, though, uh, against a, a little bit better defense, a little bit more veteran laden defense. Yeah, they seem to have some of the same problems Iowa's offenses as have, not only out of sync, but they've struggled to get a balanced attack. Now, Iowa finally achieved that in the Minnesota game, and it, it seems clear that the, the coaching staff and the players want to strive for that balanced approach against Michigan State on Saturday. Of course, you know, that's that's Iowa's trademark. You know, uh, it, it's one of those things where there's always going to be a foundation. The room is set for the Iowa offense, it's, but it's up to Greg Davis to decide when he wants to paint the walls. And that's kind of the way uh, that their offense works. They want to run the football. They want to be the most physical team on the, on the field, and they're going to strive for that. And, and this is going to be the ultimate test for that uh, philosophy. You know, Mark Wiseman ran for 177 last uh, against Minnesota. The team as a whole ran for 182 and threw for 192. So they were very balanced. You know, they they did they executed they executed in all facets of the game, especially in the first half. Now the second half they kind of slowed it down, but uh, that tends to happen a lot in uh, in league action. So I think this. Uh, you know, the balanced approach will be needed because if you focus on too much against this defense, uh, they will exploit you, and they will exploit you very often. This is the best defense of the Big Ten. Uh, they have certified absolute NFL talent there. Uh, their defensive ends and, and William Golston and Marcus Rush are come to play. Max Bolau in the middle is a tough, hard-nosed player. Sadinko Talon will blitz you. He will cover you. A good weak side linebacker. And then their, their secondary has three or four NFL caliber players. So this is a this is easily the biggest test Iowa will face, and especially on offense. Yeah, Damon Bullock finally returns this Saturday and, and will share duties, according to Kirk, in the backfield with Weissman. And one of the most intriguing things to me and watching the game this Saturday is how Iowa might try to utilize both of them in the backfield simultaneously and not in the traditional tailback fullback formations. Well, you got to like the formations Iowa could use now. I mean, you have guys who are versatile, and they really haven't had that much of that before out of their running backs. You've got Mark Wiseman, who started the season at fullback, and you've got Damon Bullock, who started the season at running back. Uh, Wiseman, of course, has been a, a workhorse at running back, and Bullock has played a lot at wide receiver 
receiver in the past. So if you put them both on the field at the same time, you don't know what you're going to get. And how valuable is that going to be for Iowa, not only this year, but in the future, where you could you could motion Bullock out to be a slot receiver and have a one-back set with Mark Wiseman, or you could line it up and go and play slam ball and, and have uh, and have Wiseman be your fullback, your lead ISO guy, and you know, blocking for Damon Bullock. Anything's possible with this uh, with these guys, and I think that's exciting if you're an Iowa fan. More from Scott Docterman after this break. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinad on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinad and Brommel Camp Show, weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Now back to our conversation with Scott Docterman, who talks about Iowa's offensive line, keys to the Michigan State game, the state of the Big Ten, and Iowa great Alex Karras. You talked about how good Michigan's defensive line is. Another really interesting matchup Saturday will be against Iowa's offensive line, which continues to show solid improvement and opening big holes for the running game and not allowing Vandenberg to get sacked. Yeah, I think, you you know, we've seen a, a real... I think that's probably the one area on the team where you've seen the most improvement is with uh, guys like Brandon Sheriff and Matt Tobin. Matt Tobin has made huge strides. Sheriff is, uh, you, know, it's, you know, he's the left tackle. I mean, that's the million-dollar position at Iowa. If you play that position, you go to the next level and you make money. And uh, he's, a, you know, only a sophomore. But if we've seen the left side of that line dominate their opponents last three weeks. They ran to the left, they ran behind those guys, and there have been... A, uh, huge openings, and Mark Wiseman has good vision. He's been able to run behind them. It'll be interesting to see if they're going to if they can diversify that a little bit. If they can run the inside or outside zone to the right a little more often, because if they become one-dimensional, it'll be uh, you know it'll be at their expense coming against teams like Michigan State and other teams uh, that will will see that on film will and will prepare for that. In terms of the Hawkeyes, offensively and defensively, who are you focusing on this week as keys to a possible Iowa win? I think you have to look at uh, James Vandenberg. I mean, this is uh, a game on the road at, at maybe the best opponent they'll play all year. It's a you know, it's hostile crowd, uh, tough defense. It has to be your veteran quarterback leading you through that. And it's not going to be a send to punt, but it's going to be a send to throw an interception, or it's going to be send to funnel a send to funnel a snap. So I think in this case, James Vandenberg has to be that player. It has to be the guy to lead the team, call the plays correctly, the 
audibles, get people in the right position to make plays. Defensively, I think you kind of go to that other leadership position to some extent, and that's James Morris. He's going to have to make adjustments on the field as well. That's going to have to put some of the, the defensive tackles and ends in the right position uh, to stop Le'Veon Bell. Because if Iowa could stop the run in this game, they have a good chance of neutralizing Michigan State's strength. And if, and if they do that, their secondary is good enough to, to stay strong. And I would also throw in a Micah Hyde coming off his you know tumultuous week. You know what will be his frame of mind? Will he be able to put it in the pass, go out and play? He's going to hear taunts. He's going to hear a lot of things. Will he be able to put it behind him, or will it affect his play? He is crucial to the outcome of this game. Another key, and we say this every week because it's always true, but Iowa's really done a great job on takeaways. They're plus seven on the season. Takeaways, you talked about the Hawkeyes can't afford to have any, or can't afford to have any uh, turnovers. On the other hand, Iowa's defense, you got to think, will be looking for every opportunity to get takeaways against the Spartans. Well, that, that's the name of the game. When you're on the road, don't turn the ball over. That tends to almost always add up to a loss unless you are clearly better than your opponent. In this case, Iowa's not. I mean, Iowa is the underdog going in, and, and Iowa will have to play and execute a terrific game in order to have a chance to win. And, and if you turn the ball over more than your opponent, you will struggle. And that's got to be the situation for Iowa. Hold on to the ball. If it's third and nine, don't force a pass. I mean, you run the ball and you can punt on fourth and five or, or throw short or incomplete. You got to do it. You got to you, you have to play, may have to play field position football and rely on your defense and your special teams to do what it takes to put you in position to win. So turning the football over is the cardinal sin of this game for Iowa. Prediction? I've got Michigan State winning 13 to 9. I see this as a slugfest like I did the last couple of times they played at Spartan Stadium. I just think Michigan State has a little bit too much for Iowa, but I think Iowa will show a lot one way or the other. Any uh, passing thoughts on the Big Ten at this point? The ongoing debate continuing unabated mediocrity versus parity? I think it's all of the above. Uh, you know, the, Right now, every team that has a chance to go to the Rose Bowl has something, some facet of the game where they're not on target. And that's, you know, Nebraska is, has the best rushing offense and the worst rushing defense. Wisconsin, of all teams, can't run the football. Uh, Michigan, uh, you have good Denard Robinson, you beat everybody. If you have bad Denard Robinson, you lose to, to teams you shouldn't. Uh, every team can be beaten. Every team's you know, either a knockout puncher with a glass jaw or they're the boxer that can't hit with any power. So we don't know enough about this race right now to really make an educated guess. And that's tough, but it's also fun. It makes it interesting. And it also gives everybody hope, including Iowa, that if Iowa takes care of the task at hand, when beats teams, by the end of this month, Iowa could find itself square in the Legends Division race, and that would be very exciting going in the last part of the season. And the Leaders Division, here we are in this week, this early in the season, with probably the third and fourth best teams in the Leaders Division, Wisconsin and Purdue, battling out for the inside track to the Big Ten title game. Wouldn't it be nice to be in the Leaders Division? Uh, Purdue and Wisconsin play this week. Uh, the winner has the inside track on that. You got it. Purdue's at home, but Purdue did not show up last week against Michigan, got buried. Wisconsin was able to use a late, pretty good quarter to, to beat Illinois. I, I, I can't go against the Badgers right now. I just think that uh, Purdue hasn't shown me enough consistency to, to pick them in an end game that has any value. One last note, the passing of two greats this week, and I know you wrote a story about Alex Karras, a former Hawkeye star, NFL star, actor, but also the uh, Bill Jouse died this week, and one of the great all-time old-school-style sports writers with the Chicago Tribune and, 
been part of that core team in the old days from the sports writers on TV. Any thoughts about either one of those? Well, Bill Jouse, uh, yeah, I do remember on the old sports writers, uh, him and Bill Gleason and the cigars, and when Rick Tellender walked in the room, he was the young guy. I mean, you know, just a classic sports writer that anybody who ever, you know, looked at a typewriter, you know, he, in the Midwest, he was a guy you wanted to emulate yourself after, and he admired him from afar or up close. And then, of course, Alex Karras, one of the Iowa's all-time greatest players. Uh, his Iowa career, to some extent, has become a footnote, but I mean, here's a guy, he's one of only two defensive linemen to ever finish uh, in the top two for the Heisman Trophy. He is uh, in the College Football Hall of Fame. He won the Outland Trophy and really should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was a member of the team of the decade in the 1960s for the Detroit Lions. And then <laughs> he had so many classic lines in, in uh, the movie, uh, Blazing Salads. And, and then he, you know, he talked about other movies, Porky's, Victor Victoria, and then known as Webster. Just a full career, a full person, and uh, never boring, uh, a true legend that we all should uh, remember at some point this week. Great story. Compelling and rich. And now a third and 14 for the Golden Gophers. Shortell looking all the way for his man. It's intercepted by Castillo, who had his eyes on the quarterback the whole time. Third turnover today for this Iowa defensive unit. And Shortell has tried to go downfield a number of times today. This ball looks like it just sort of slips out of his hand. It's in the air. It's wobbly. I mean, this is the play that's going to be picked off most of the time. It's a third and 14. They have got to try to go downfield. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you will come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.